desire. It's part of life, isn't it? In fact, I would argue that it is the core of really living life. When your God-given desires are satisfied, I believe it makes for a joy-filled life. You know, Jesus was the the master of life. Um, He lived life perfectly, we're told. And I believe that's why he was such a magnet to anyone that was even remotely interested in really living. You know, Jesus said, I have come in order that you may have what? Life. Life in all its fullness. You know, a fully satisfied life, Jesus said, is possible in the kingdom of God. You know, New Testament writers, as you you read, they tell of communities that actually experience that new life. And many times, I don't think that's what you find in, in the community of faith, in the church today. I mean, a lot of Christians, I don't think, understand that Jesus' claim was to proclaim the gospel of life, life in the kingdom now and in the future, in fact, forever. And I think we miss that. We think about eternity, but we don't think about the now. So, so what we've got is this kind of gap, so to speak, between the present reality and the promise of a life that's full, a life that's fulfilled. And I think that's part of the problem when it comes to desire, is that we desire something better than what we, we have. And because we want to close that gap, we work harder in our lives. We, we work at getting more stuff. Or what we do is we kind of fake it. And for some, we just quietly give up on the reality of having a joy-filled life. I mean, we have desire deep inside us. We have a God-given desire for life. But what if, what if Jesus, when, when he said, have faith in me, And you will have life-giving water flowing from deep inside you. Just as the scripture says. Flowing from deep inside you. Think about this. In In the Greek, it means to come out of the belly, so to speak. Out of the core. And if you really take the word apart, it's the core of desire in our lives. That out of that desire will flow living water. That's what Jesus is saying. I mean, that's the kind of of nurture, the kind of energy, the kind of life-giving power that's available to people like you and me. Living water, wave after wave after wave. I I believe it's part of the, the flow of God's Spirit in our lives. And I think part of our job as Christians is to not cut ourselves off from that Flow of the Spirit, where God feeds us, and we are fulfilled. I mean, those moments when we mess up, and you will and I will. In those moments, God still sends those waves, 
wave after wave. I think it's called grace in our lives. But when we give our life to Jesus Christ, I want you to think about this. It's life-giving. In other words, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you should see some change in your life. And I don't want to be uh, legalistic here. But you should become more alive, not dry, and not dead inside. I mean, when you gain Christ in your life, you gain the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. The power to, that gives you to break the, the bonds, so to speak. To break free of the things that, that corrode the human soul. But it's a question of desire. You know, it's interesting as we're singing. I don't know about you, but for me, there are certain songs that when I sing them on a morning like this morning, certain songs draw me to God. In other words, as I'm singing, I want, I want God in that moment. When I'm singing words like, uh, God, you're all I desire. I don't want anything but you. When, when I'm singing it, I really mean that. But as I reflect, I'll be honest, it kind of pierces my heart. Because, because I want God. I mean, I really want God. But I want a lot of other things as well. And, and sometimes, I mean, you know, I want like a sunny day. Sometimes I want great pizza in my life. Sometimes I want the Pirates to make it to the World Series again. In fact, I'd settle for better than 500 for the year. It's been a long drought. Sometimes I want to achieve goals in my life. And sometimes I just want. I just want. Do you see the tension I'm talking about? I mean, I want God. I really want God. I want to give God my ultimate devotion. But then I think about those words. God, you're all I desire. And then I start wondering, well, is it okay to desire things besides God? Should it be, in other words, should it be God is all I desire? You know, Dallas Willard, uh, he's a great read if you ever see a book by him, but he says, God is so big... He does not demand that he's the only thing we desire. I believe that's part of God's greatness, is God is not an egomaniac. God allows his goodness to spill out on creation. He loves to see us enjoying life. But the challenge here is we need to get our desires in the right order. See, the problem isn't desires, it's getting them out of order. Desires and wanting things in the right way, you might say, uh, to the right degree, so to speak. You know, I, I need to be ready as a Christian to say no to some desires. If they're going to interfere with with me following Jesus Christ, following God, pleasing God in my life. And I wonder, how do you do that? How do you do that? 
And that's what I want to unpack today. I want to show us how we can love God more than anything else and how it works in our lives. I mean, first, I think I got to show you what doesn't work. You know, it's kind of a uh, distorted approach to what I'll call desire management in, in our lives. It's approach that I have watched. I've been in ministry a long time. And I have watched a lot of well-meaning Christians try and manage their desires. And it's really left them beaten, broken, damaged. Now, I want to be really clear because I don't want anybody saying, oh, he said this. Desires, desires that are satisfied the wrong way are at the very root, at the very root of sin. I mean, it's been the problem since the beginning of time. The first sin that's recorded is in Genesis. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Desire. You see, the desire, desire to eat fruit is a good thing. In fact, it's a healthy thing. But not this fruit, because God said, don't eat from, from this tree. The wrong desire got them in trouble. And it's true in our lives. I mean, here's what I think most Christians in their mind, when they're going to deal with desires... It goes something like this. I want to be really spiritual. I've got to avoid sin in my life. And so I think the best way for me to avoid sin is I've got to do away with all my desires. If I just don't want money or power or sex or pleasure or food or if I just don't want any of that stuff, then I could really be spiritual then I wouldn't sin in my life. And hear this, that doesn't work. In fact, not only does it not work, it's not God's plan for your life or for mine. The fact is, we are created with desire. I've been reading, this past week I was reading through the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, as many times as I've read through that book, there's something I noticed that I'd never noticed before. The, we're not going to read the whole thing, but Ecclesiastes 12 starts out, says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years draw near when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And the, the writer of Ecclesiastes then goes on to talk in, in a detail account about growing old. And verse by verse kind of says, Bit by bit in life, we're losing. We, we lose our hearing as we get older. We, we lose our sight. We, we lose our energy. And if you run down to ver- verse 5, it says, And the grasshopper drags himself along. Can you picture it? You know, the grasshopper, when he was young, he had energy. You know, he's all over the place. But he's just kind of like a slug now, you know. I can identify with that sometimes. But here's the line that got me. It says, and desire no longer stirred. 
no longer stirred. See, the writer was not saying this is the goal of life is to eliminate desire. This is not a picture of spiritual maturity. It's not what he was trying to teach us. He wasn't trying to say, you know, this is how you avoid sin. No, the writer was saying, this is a picture of getting old. It's a picture of falling apart. Things just don't work the way that they used to work in your life. Now, I believe that we live in a culture that believes life is about gratifying all our desires. Kind of the cookie monster uh, uh, mentality. You know his line? More cookies. More cookies. Mm. And it, the philosophy is pretty simple. I am a collection of appetites to be gratified. That's what life's about. I mean, the world would have us believe that. The other end of the spectrum, and I'm going to suggest to you it's a very distorted spirituality, is our goal is to eliminate all desires. So so we won't do anything wrong. But that's not true. You know, it's interesting. Do you know which of the major world religions says that our goal is to eliminate all desire? Buddhism, which I think is kind of funny because all the statues I've ever seen of Buddha, he looks like he liked cookies to me, (laughs) but, you know. The New Testament writers, all of them, Jesus, they all agree the goal, the goal is not gratification of all of our desires, They also all agree that it's not the elimination of all of our desires. No, they all agree that it's about a transformation of our desires. It's about getting our desires set right. Again, desires are a part of God's design. The psalmist writes and says, The eyes of all look to you. And you give them their food in due season. You open your hands, satisfying the desire of every living thing. Then he goes on down in verse 19 and says, He fulfills the desires of all who fear him. Think about that. God desires to satisfy our desires. Desires are a part of God's creation. He embedded them within us. God made us to, to have desires. Everything. You know, you think about it, even, even God's creatures have natural desires. They have the desire to eat, to drink, to reproduce. God made a bird with the desire to jump out of the nest and fly. Made bees to desire to, to make honey. Every animal has some God-given desires. And it's the same with us. I mean, I always wondered, how did, did Adam know that he was supposed to become one flesh with Eve? Seriously, how did he know that? I mean, did God give him like a to-do list? Okay, Adam, tell you what, bud. Name all the animals. 
keep the garden cleaned up, take the trash out, and oh yeah, don't forget, become one flesh with Eve. Got it? Okay, see ya. That's not how it went. See, Adam looked at Eve and he discovered desire. Where'd that come from? It came from God. It's a wonderful part of God's creation. And I want to be real clear here. Do not misunderstand me. Don't go out of here and say, oh, Damon said, whatever your desire is, go for it. That's not what I'm saying. God's not going to satisfy every desire that we've got. I am fully aware of how easy it is to get messed up, to get distorted by, by sin. I think we all know this. We all know it in our own way, right? But we have desires. And we need to purify those desires. We need to be cleaned. We need to be retrained sometimes. I mean, what, what if, just suppose for a moment, what if God's plan, every time that we experience an authentic desire, a God-implanted desire, what if every time that happened, that God fulfilled that desire, what if we found ourselves loving God more because of it? What if desire is really part of that river of life that gives strength, that gives joy? Desire, what if it was part of that? God working in us, changing us. Here's what I want to do. I want to plow through some just different desires. You know, desires, and I want to kind of look at how God's goodness can work within that. You know, the, the Bible is very clear and gives us a lot of warnings about wrong desires in, in our lives. You know, if we're pursuing certain desires and the effect of pursuing that desire makes us more demanding, makes us more selfish, makes us more isolated, makes us more about getting than giving, then, friends, those desires, they just quench the Spirit's movement in us, that flow. It just gets rid of it. You know, I need to say no to those things that cut that flow between me and God. I think that's what Jesus was pressing at when Jesus said in Matthew 8, 34, he says, if anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In other words, we must say no to those things that keep us from living in the spirit that that kind of cut off that flow. We've always got to be ready to sacrifice a lesser desire for a greater desire. On the other hand, if you are pursuing a desire and it's leading you to become more loving and more generous and more caring, you know, quicker to serve, quicker to step in, one of the things that will happen is you'll be less vulnerable in your life because something I've figured out just spending time with people that we are more vulnerable to temptation when we're leading a joyless life. God-given desires fulfilled 
gives a spirit of, of gratitude. It enhances your joy. It moves you closer to God. The writer of Proverbs writes and says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. See, here we go again. A desire fulfilled. Sweet. So let's blast through a few desires. Uh, And what I want you to do is don't do this for your neighbor. Do it for yourself. But ask yourself. Do some assessing for, for yourself. Because your desires and my desires play a huge part in our lives. And I believe if we purge away the sin that these desires, these God-given desires, will help us stay on track. I mean, one, one of the desires that we have is material desires. You know, we're talking about a, a desire that attaches itself to possessions, to money, finances, stuff like that. The, and this is an area that gets messed up really easy, especially, especially in the United States. This is an area that I believe you've got to watch carefully. But here's what I know. If we could eliminate all sin, we'd still have this desire. Intrinsically, uh, stuff is good. It's part of God's creation. Having things is okay. In fact, anyone here have material desires? Anyone like money? Stuff. You know, there's a woman in the New Testament named Lydia. She's talked about in Acts 16, and it's worth a read. Uh, I encourage you to read it this week. But she is the first convert to Christianity, first convert in, in Europe. She's a businesswoman. She's into textiles. She had an eye for design, a, a flair for making money. And I believe Lydia must have been something. I mean, she must have been amazing because if you think about it, she must have had a tremendous passion, a tremendous skill set, a tremendous drive in her life. I mean, it would have been required. I mean, for a woman to succeed in business in the ancient world where women weren't in business and weren't invited to be a part of business, In fact, the vast majority lived as servants, lived in poverty, second-class citizens. Here's Lydia. She is succeeding in the business world. She owns her own home. In fact, it's large enough that she would house that first church. They would come and, and gather there. It's the first meeting place in all Europe. It wasn't the Sistine Chapel. It wasn't Westminster Abbey. No, It's the home of a Philippian businesswoman named Lydia. She had a deep desire. Some of you have a flair with money. You enjoy making money. In fact, you lied a minute ago. You didn't raise your hand when I asked, do you, anybody got a desire for money? The fact is, you love to be around the beauty the, the design, the, the colors, the, the stuff. And hear me, stuff's not bad. But here's the rub. As you're feeling those desires, 
And as you're feeding that desire, that material desire, if you are always craving more and more and more and more, you've got a problem. If that desire chokes off generosity in your life, if that desire puts you in a position that you are living under the crippling pressure of debt, if that desire keeps you from giving God back the 10% that rightfully God says, it's all mine, but give me that. If that happens, it is time to make some changes, to make some sacrifices and say no to some desires in your life. I mean, it's just that simple. You understand this? Intrinsically, stuff, whatever it is, it's fine. It's good. God created stuff for us to enjoy. When we understand that, when we get the right perspective, it brings you to a place where you thank God for all that stuff. You recognize that God is the giver of all things. And in that moment, God's spirit flows through you. And what happens is it produces joy. Produces joy. It may produce a a Lydia moment where you begin to look at the world very different because you understand how God's blessed and you start leveraging it. Taking that God-given desire and making a difference in God's kingdom in eternity. Again, material possessions, nothing wrong with them, but they can mess you up. But underneath the sin, dig it all out, stuff's good. There's another area, that is the desire to achieve. It's a God-given desire. In fact, we were created to have dominion in, in this world. God created us to be fruitful, to be a partner with him in caring for all creation. Ecclesiastes, the writer writes, whatever your hand finds to do, Do it with all your might. See, it's a good thing to achieve. I think about Paul when I think about achievers. You know, Paul was motivated. Paul was achieving goals. He was accomplishing uh, objectives in his life. Paul's teaching and he's building and he's motivating. In fact, he describes himself in 2 Timothy, says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, God didn't take away that deep desire that Paul had to achieve. No, what God did was harnessed it. He helped him learn how to serve others in in his life. Some of you have a strong desire, maybe around your careers. You are highly motivated. Some of you are, are extremely motivated when it comes to learning. You love to accomplish things. And if your desire to do that creates a person that's a workaholic, you got a problem. If you are neglecting your spiritual life, your worship, I hear it all the time, oh, I'm just so tired, I can't go to church. Work, I'm working, man, I'm working. If that desire causes you to start using people instead of loving them, if that desire causes you to neglect your your children or your spouse, then I believe God's calling you to say no 
God's calling you to rein it in, in some area, desire. But, hear me, if as you examine your achievements and your desires, you find that you're growing in your relationship with God, you are worshiping and you've got a strong connection that way, if you find that you are loving people that are around you, that maybe work with you, work for you, or that you work for, if that's true and you're loving and you're trying to do it to the glory of God, then more power to you. Let it burn, let it burn, let it burn. Go for it. Achieve. Revel in the joy of achieving and accomplishing. But you've got to get it in perspective. See, there's joy in achieving. Use your God-given ability and accomplish good in this world. I mean, every once in a while, maybe while you're working, maybe you're at a meeting and you're contributing and you're adding value to that meeting. Maybe you're just sitting at your desk and you get a great idea. In that moment, just recognize it's not just you. That God gave you that ability. God gave you that idea. Maybe maybe as you're connecting, maybe you're on the road a lot and you spend time with, with clients, you know, and you, you have that just uh, opportunity. It's a God-given opportunity to, to use your relational skills to make a difference in their life. Then do it. You know, maybe maybe you're sitting at school and your mind is being stretched and challenged by what you're learning. Then thank God that he gave you a mind that you can do that. Thank God for the opportunity. Because as you're achieving, you can feel the joy. You can allow the Spirit of God to to just flow. Again, it's a God-given joy. How about the area of relational desires? I believe every person here has that desire deep within them. I mean, we are made in the image of God. And God is a relational God. In fact, God longs, Scripture says, to connect with every single person, everyone he created. When I think about uh, relationships, I mean, one that just always comes to mind is David and Jonathan. I, I love their, their, their connection. I love the strength of that. In fact, Scripture says that that friendship was stronger than death. You know, Jonathan, think about this for a minute. Jonathan's heir to the throne. Everybody figures he's the next king because he's next in line. But Jonathan's loyal to David. And although he knew that David would be the next king because God had ordained it, Jonathan valued his friendship. In fact, I would argue that Jonathan wanted to be a friend more than he wanted to be king. And friends, that is a rare thing in circles of power. That is just a rare thing, and it's a great thing. And what I find interesting as I think about that relationship is think about all the kings throughout history that nobody remembers. And here we have a friendship between Jonathan and David that's inspired people for thousands of years. 
desire for connection. Some of you have a huge desire for a deep relationship. But you never really pursue it, do you? Busy. Other priorities get in the way. If a relationship doesn't like fall in your lap, you just quit trying. Jonathan had to overcome unbelievable obstacles to to build a relationship with David. In fact, there's a good chance God's going to make you fight for it and work at it. And that's my words of wisdom. Fight for those relationships. You know, I'm always saying, get in a small group in this church. Serve on, on a team. Because that way you can connect to other people. Now, now hear this. Just because you serve on a team or go to a group does not mean that you're going to have that desire satisfied. All it does is creates an environment where you can begin to develop relationships, where, where you can work at it, you know, where you can invite someone and say, hey, let's catch coffee, and you get to know each other. It takes work. But maybe you need to pray that God would send you a, a Jonathan or a David or a Joanne or Julie, whatever, you know. Some of you, some of you need that in your life. If you're going, oh, I don't need it, I'm, I'm, I do stuff on my own, you are way wrong. You are way wrong. Some of you have relational skills that are unbelievable. You, you should be leading a small group in this church. You have a God-given desire and skill set that you can make a difference in people's lives. That you know how to build communities where, where people connect, where people can gather and experience the joy of getting connected. A place that you're able to nurture people to, to know and be known, to love and be loved. And what you would find if you would use that skill set, that God-given desire within you, you would find that it brings incredible joy. Incredible joy. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. How about physical desires? I mean, because you have a body, I have a body. We are made in the image of God. We have desires and we have appetites. In fact, you read the Old Testament and throughout, it it commands us to, to feast. You know, to eat, to drink, to celebrate, to sing, to dance, to shout, to make music. Things that that you can do with your body. It's about the body. You know, Moses, it's interesting, you read Deuteronomy 14. Moses instructs the people to take their, their possessions, and he says, take a tithe of it. The grain, the wine, your oil, your livestock, whatever, go and sell it. And get cash, get money for it, get silver. And the reason why it tells them that is because they need it so they can take it with them because they're going to be traveling for a long time. And so it's easy to take with them. But what's interesting, Deuteronomy 14.26, they, they take their money, they arrive, promised land now we're talking, and Moses tells them this, spend the money for whatever you wish. Oxen, sheep, wine, strong drink, and whatever you desire. 
and you shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and your household rejoicing together. Now, I don't know about you, but it's hard to believe that's in the Bible. You know, I grew up in the Baptist church and the independent Christian church. We did not acknowledge scriptures like this. We would go, whoa, they're talking about wine. Nope, nope, we can't go there. But it's in scripture. God says, you know what? I have created you. Have a, have a party. Celebrate. Now, please hear me. This is not an excuse for destructive indulgence. This is not about abusing alcohol, which is a tragedy in our society. This is not about feasting all the time. In fact, Scripture says there's a time to feast and a time to fast. If someone's hungry, we should always be ready to share. We should always sacrifice, again, the lesser desire for a greater. God says, you know what? I long to satisfy your desires. He created us. But God also said there are times that you need to enter seasons of denial, seasons that I can be retrained, you know, that God can retrain us, so to speak. Physical desires. I mean, this one gets out of kilter sometimes. I desire to be beautiful. It can lead to vanity, to uh, self-preoccupation. Sometimes that desire needs to be reined in. I like the Proverbs, uh, the writer says, this is beautiful. Like a gold ring and a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. <laughs> Hear what the writer's saying. Same beauty's fine. It's fine. Working at it, that's fine. It's a good thing. But beauty of character is of greater importance. We live in a society, this is all messed up. I mean, we've got this stuff twisted. You know, what, what kind of bodies we're to have and what kind we're not. And I expect that God sees bodies very differently than we do. But this is an area that it can get amped up, can't it? That desire for, for that physical appearance creates disorders in our society. We get so preoccupied. I have watched people that have evolved physically. Spiritually? It's just sad. Now, the flip side... I've watched people go to the extremes, feeding their desires. You know, what, what's going on is physically they're falling apart. You've got to get a balance when it comes to desires. How about sexual desires? You know, culture, culture teaches us, do whatever to feed that desire. One night stands, okay. Sex outside marriage, go for it. Sex beyond marriage. Okay, just don't get caught. Strip clubs, pornography, prostitution. Maybe. And friends, I've talked to people that have traveled down that road, that road of desire. And you know what's interesting? I have yet to talk to anyone that's traveled that road very long that doesn't say it's empty, 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 empty. 
Now again, church history, okay, not biblical history, church history, has said sexual desire is something to be avoided, to be denied. God created us, the Bible says, with that physical desire. It's a God-given desire. Genesis 2 says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Paul writes over and over. In fact, he speaks to the issue often of sexual desire. I mean, numerous times in Scripture, he says, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Again, the the question is not, do you have desire? You were created with it. The question is, are our desires in line with God? Do they bring us closer to God? You know, the question is, is it bringing joy in your life? Or is it about something else? Is it about hiding? Is it about the fear of being found out? Or is it about using people as objects? You know, physical desire, not a neutral thing. It's not. The world may tell you that, but it's not. But desire is a good thing when it's enjoyed in a godly way. So all of our desires, our appetites, our hunger, see, hear, touch, taste, laugh, dance, when it's pure, when it's in line with God, in those moments, what you find is you have a deeper appreciation for God. I mean, you just can't help it. What else are you going to do? Last area here. How about recreational desires? You know, they, we have that deep desire to rest in our lives, to recreate. We, we long to be restored Why? Because we're finite creatures. God designed you that way. God designed you to want to rest and to sleep. In fact, some of you right now are thinking, I have that desire right now. God designed you to engage in activities that restore the spirit, that recharge you in your life. You know, I grew up in the church, and I don't know where I got it, but somewhere along the line, I got the idea that some things that were spiritual counted, and that other things didn't count. And and I'm not sure where I got the idea, because it's not a biblical idea. In fact, the Bible would say every single moment of every single day, every one of those count. The psalmist says, even sleep is a gift from God, a recognition that even that becomes spiritual in our lives. Have you ever noticed, I don't know about you, but for me, when things are right with God, I sleep better? I just do. I don't think it's a mistake. It's all spiritual. You have a uh, hobby pastime, understand that God gave you that desire. It does something for your soul. You know, David, uh, King David, before he was king, he, he loved writing music. He'd be out watching the sheep. 
He'd be playing his lyre and singing and writing. That doesn't seem terribly spiritual, does it? But how many have stood at a graveside? How many have been in the hospital? And the only words that you can cling to, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. David wrote that psalm. It was a song. David, I mean, what would have happened if David hadn't followed his desire? A God-given desire. How many of you remember Eric Lindell? Chariots of Fire, does that help? Older, older congregation. Yeah, we remember that. And others are going, nah. But he, he was a Christ follower. He wanted to, to be a missionary. And he was a great runner. Olympic runner. His sister criticized him for running. In fact, she was always pushing on him, telling him it wasn't spiritual what he was doing. And she, she was pressing him pretty hard on, on this because she wanted him to be preaching all the time. And I love Eric's response to her. At one point, he just says, I believe God made me for a purpose. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. God used Eric's running and gave him a platform for ministering from the world stage. The whole world watched him. And here's what I believe. Even if no one had ever known who Eric was, running would have been a great thing for him because it was a great thing between him and God. He found joy. His heart was filled with joy when he followed his desire. When he was running... For some reason, he just loved God more and more and more. And I think that's how it is when you chase those things and experience those things that renew you. I mean, when it happens in your life, when you have those moments where you go, man, I just love God. I can't believe God get to do this. I can't believe that God put me here in this space at this time. I believe when you're feeling that, you are starting to become the person that God created you to be. You start experiencing tremendous joy. You don't have to pretend anymore. You don't have to act a certain way because, oh, well, they might find out I'm a Christian and it's just going to look bad. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You just live that way because you have to. Because it's a desire in your life. You know, you do it because there's a flow of God's spirit. It brings joy in your life and satisfaction. God-given, God-given desire. I mean, what else are you going to do? Just run after him. Now, I kind of blasted through these desires. But the question for you is what area? What area is God prompting you as we were talking and you just know God was saying, you know, you got to rein this in. It's out of line. You know, what area is God calling you to, to sacrifice a desire for a greater desire? And here's what I believe. God will give you the strength to do that. You know, in what area 
as we were talking, were you sitting there going, God wants to satisfy that desire? You know, what area would it not mess you up if God satisfied that desire? Because God's saying, you know what? Do what you love. But invite me along with you. And what you find as you're moving in a direction and you're walking with God's spirit, you find satisfaction. You find joy. And what you find is you love God more and more and more and more. When I think about what God wants for our lives, it blows me away sometimes. When I, when I think about the incredible promises that you find in God's word, it, it's staggering. Desire is God-given. And I would argue that part of the problem with most Christians today is that our desire has been diluted. You know, we are so busy trying to, to do it our way, our desires, and we're so intent on trying to push them away like, oh, they're bad, that what we end up doing is being very content with joyless lives. In fact, I would argue that we need to amp up our desire, not deny them, and don't waste our desires on things that draw us away from God. Allow God to purify the desire, to move us away from sin and move us with God, allowing him to satisfy your desire. And here's what I know. God will satisfy all of our desires. Maybe not the way that you think you should find satisfaction. But if you allow God to lead, that's key here, if you allow God to lead you and to purify it and you flow in that spirit, God absolutely will satisfy it. Promise from God. It's been my experience in life. He absolutely will satisfy it. Let's stand for a word of prayer. God, you've created fearfully and wonderfully. God, you've given us desires, deep desires. God, I know today as we were talking, we all can look at areas and we know there needs to be some cleanup. We need to sacrifice a lesser desire for a greater one. God, I also know that there are areas that we are following our God-given desires and you are blessing and there's just tremendous joy. And God, we thank you for those areas. But God, I pray that we'd bring all our areas before you. That we'd become the people you've called us to be, have created us to be. And that we'd be people that walk with joy, tremendous joy. We give you the glory. We give you the praise that stand every day. Amen.